Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is Easter Sunday, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard as he preaches from the lectionary, which was Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. As always, you can find more information or more sermons from All Souls at allsoulsparish.org. I was recently reading a newspaper article about how difficult we are collectively finding the return to the normal patterns of life, and especially when it comes to work life. And in that article, there was this quote uh, by Chantal Kuba. She's a consultant in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And her description of where people are, it just felt really true to me. She said, we're all feeling our way around being together when we don't know what each other's state of well-being is. You go to a a three-day off-site, or you go to the Oscars, and you find out people are different. People are threadbare. People are very anxious. Her observation feels just so true to me for many reasons. Because while we have come a long way in the past two years, and I'm grateful we're here and can worship together on Easter Sunday, we still don't know what the next turn of this pandemic will be. And the daily inundation of the brutality and the misery of the war in Ukraine is yet another reminder of how wanton and cruel humans can be to one another. This uh, last, what, seven weeks has more than a few people wondering, is this what it felt like? before the First World War. For these and so many other reasons, it's it's like we're living constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop, of not knowing what we can count on. And it's just plain exhausting. It's my uh, observation that the effects of these last two years of having our world upended are being seen and felt in ways large and small. Shootings on our streets and on our highways are at record levels as uh, some of us are living with a hair trigger. And deaths of despair, uh, deaths that are associated with drug overdoses, suicide, and alcoholic liver disease. These deaths were already rising across the United States, but in these last couple of years, they have continued to climb. And in smaller ways, uh, I've seen fractures 
and those around me, and I've, I felt them in my own body. Patience running thin. Relational wounds taking longer to heal. Many of us are just feeling like we are at our wits end. We are feeling threadbare. And as hard as it is, as hard as it is to feel this way, it also has me wondering. Is it actually in times like these, feeling the way we do, that we come closer to those faithful women than we might have felt before? And that feeling, um, well, I suppose that's why I'm stunned and convicted by the question that we heard earlier in the Gospel of Luke. The question that the, the dazzling ones ask those faithful women when they encounter them at the tomb of Jesus. And it's this essential question. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? I suppose one answer to that is, why not? <laughs> but this year, that question just feels like it hits home a little harder. And I suppose that's because of all the things. And because it's just easier to come to those metaphorical graveyards of our lives. All the things we had, but do no longer. All the things we were, but are no longer. All the things that we were expecting and have not happened. Because of all this, it is easy to come to these graveyards of our lives and simply look for death there. To be clear, there are real graveyards, and it's understandable that we go there. But it can be easy to believe that that's all there can be. That these tombs, that they hold all the power. And that all we can do is go there and mourn. But that's why the question that the divine messengers shocked the women at the tomb with is a question that faces each of us this morning. Like right now, sitting here. What would it take for you to look for the living among the dead? What would you have to leave behind? What would you have to allow for? What are you afraid would have to change? It might begin with the faith of those courageous women who showed up as night was giving way today. Did they sleep at all? 
And they encountered a sight that was terrifying and perplexing and actually scandalous. And it's the reason why we are here today. Because when those faithful women received that shocking message in the midst of their trauma, they did three things. And I want us to remember these three things this morning. When faced with the confusion, when faced with the fear, they remembered the promise of Jesus. They returned to their people and they told them the good news. Now I realize that uh, many people here today have probably already heard this story several times. And so uh, I find it easy to say, right, the women, they heard this startling news from uh, blinding strangers, and then they went back to the upper room and they shared it with the disciples. But let's just pause for a moment and imagine some of the other choices that these women could have made. They could have all run off in different directions and scattered in fear. Few would have blamed them. They could have uh, withheld the knowledge, holding on to it, waiting for an opportune time. They would not be the first. Instead, they remembered. They remembered the promise that Jesus had given them that he would rise from the dead and go ahead of them to Galilee. Now, the act of remembering a promise takes courage because it means that that something was so important that we held on to it, right? And and it's a hope that, that something will be true that we have not yet seen but will not let go of. It's a, a stitching together of a promise from the past into the fabric of the present and making something altogether new. But they didn't just keep that hope to themselves. They returned to the people with whom they had journeyed for years. So often, especially in this country, we think of resurrection as an individual experience, when in reality it is the reclaiming of all of creation. So often it's something that we think we can hold on to for ourselves. The women remind us that the one who is life is meant to be shared. And that sharing is uh, not always easy. As I've talked about before, uh, for me, one of the more compelling and demanding verses of Scripture comes from the first letter of Peter. That as Christians, we always be prepared to give an accounting of the hope that is in us. That's our job. To be prepared to give an accounting of the hope that is in us. And we follow in these women's footsteps because they told somebody of the hope they had, of this incredible news. These women were willing to risk ridicule 
because of the hope that they had found that Jesus had broken the bonds of death and, and this hope could not be kept to themselves. And here's a catch. Because as much as we have to prepare ourselves to tell the good news, we have to prepare ourselves to receive this good news from others. And it's not easy. Because God knows that there are enough ways for this world to tell us that life in the midst of death is just ridiculous. That death is the most powerful and inevitable force in the universe of bodies, of movements, of everything. And because of this relentless downbeat of death, it is likely that there are people in our lives who are trying to tell us the good news about us, about them, about people we love, about people we don't. There are likely people telling us about life in the midst of death, and we cannot hear it, for to us, it feels like an idle tale. Ridiculous. And I can say for myself that the more uh, I can't find stability, the more I feel stressed and depleted, the more reactive and protective I become. And the more likely it is that I will respond just like those disciples and say, hogwash, nobody rises from the dead. And yet here we are. Because the thing about Jesus, friends, this thing about Jesus is that he's never going to be where you left him. And that's true of many things in life. Children. <laughs> marriages. Friendships. Vocations. And I always find it disconcerting when these things shift from where they were. Whether it's frightening or wonderful, it still is hard to grapple with. And it's natural when we go to graveyards, when we go to those places that feel like graveyards, to look for the dead among the dead as that's where they're supposed to be. We are so attuned to the death around us that it's just easier for us to pick up our spices and head to the tomb. And yet, the good news of the Christ is that the reality of all that is, is that life cannot be held back by death. Friends, it is not easy at this moment in time. Even now, as we emerge from this pandemic and we're starting to breathe a little deeper, and now it might actually be the time when those big feelings come bubbling up from below. And that's okay. 
And it's why we've told this story over and over and over again. And it's why we told that story this morning. We tell it so that in a world that has us forget who we are, we can keep remembering the promise of God. We tell this story in a world that tries to convince us that we're off on our own. And we tell it so that we can keep doing this, returning to each other. And we tell this story in a world intent on the inevitability of death. So we can keep telling one another that the one who is life is alive and is just waiting, waiting to be known.